Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Hello, 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 friend, amigo, amiga, person, human. I hope you are well. I feel like I start every podcast episode like that, but I do genuinely hope that you are well and that you are doing big things, that you are doing aligned things, that you are working towards your dream. And if you're not, I hope that you get too soon. And I hope that you even have the opportunity to dream because that in and of itself is a privilege and it's a privilege not to be taken for granted. So if you are in that space, congratulations. If you are not in that space yet, I hope that you get there and please know that it's possible for you even if you're not in that season right now. I also like to be surprised on what's going to come out of my mouth. So I had a podcast episode planned this morning. Um, I am filming this on a Thursday, trying to film all the episodes for 2022. You guys probably don't care about this, but here we are talking about it because it's my show and I get to do what I want. Um, And I have a social media manager named Carly, who is fabulous. Carly Zimboni. We love her. She lives in Tampa. She's dope. And she prompted me to tell my story the other day on an Instagram caption. Now, I love Instagram for a lot of things. Uh, I hate Instagram for a lot of things, but I like Instagram for a lot of things because it's daily writing and I like to write. I like to read. I like to write. Um, Eventually, I will write a book, which will be really fun. So, you know, whenever that comes around, probably not anytime soon. But hey, maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, she prompted me to tell my story about how I even got into the work that I do. And I do a few things. So if you don't know, if you're new here, hi, hello, welcome. Love that you're here. Super jazzed. If you've been here a while, hi, hello, welcome back. Super jazzed that you even give me the opportunity to exist in your brain for a hot minute or as long as we are together because we are the amalgamation of the people that we spend the most time with. And it is... Oh my God, it is such an honor to get to spend time with you. And I know podcasts are kind of one-sided, but they don't have to be. Like, reach out to me. Have a conversation with me. I love people. That's why I do the work that I do. And we're going to talk about how I even got into the work that I got into. Because life is serendipitous, right? And things happen and hindsight is twenty twenty, and it all works out when it all works out. So... If you are in a season of struggle, if you're in a season of overwhelm, if you're in a season of fuck, Amanda, I don't really know what the hell is happening. I'm just going day to day and surviving. Um, You don't have to stay there. You always have a choice. You always have a choice to change something. You may not be able to change everything, but I tell my clients this all the time. There is nothing wrong with biding time until you can get out of a situation. There is nothing wrong with making little changes until you can get farther from a situation. That is how change happens. It's not overnight. It's day by day. It's it's night by night. It's little by little. It's baby step by baby step. Step by step one climbs a mountain. 
Whoever said that was very smart. I just can't think of it now. So if you are in a season where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Nothing makes sense. Nothing seems connected. Um, Connection is a matter of perspective. So I want to challenge you to get above your situation and see what things are connected and what is driving your circumstances. Now, sometimes it's systemic issues, obviously. Um, We don't exist in a vacuum. Oppression exists. Systemic barriers exist. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a choice. That doesn't mean that there aren't resources. And that doesn't mean that we can't move where we can. So I encourage you to look at that. And perhaps my story and the twists and turns and all of those will, um, I don't know, give you some insight or or give you some perspective, right? Because perspective is gold. So we will start. I was born on February 26th. No, we're not going that far back. Um But I think this story really starts when I was choosing a college. So I was a synchronized swimmer growing up and I loved and still to this day probably well no it's changed now but I loved nothing more than synchronized swimming. I was I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. I wanted to coach college until the day that I die like I was ride or die into synchronized swimming they call it artistic swimming now um and I was the way that I do things is all in right I don't half-ass things I never have it is whole assing or no assing um so I was all in I was I wanted to move to California to train with you know these really elite teams my parents told me no I was devastated I'm still upset about that one until this year, I had done synchronized swimming for over half my life. So it was a huge part of who I was growing up. I mean, it was who I was growing up. Like, I was a synchronized swimmer. And so when I was looking at colleges, there were a few options. And I chose to swim at Wheaton College with uh, Rebecca Story now, or Coli. Or Coli? I should probably know how to say her last name. Um, because I actually swam with her growing up. And I looked up to her so hard. Um... And I was just like, I want to be Rebecca. Like, she was beautiful. She was funny. She was a wonderful swimmer. She had done the college thing. She was coaching. Like, I wanted to be Rebecca. So I went to Massachusetts, uh, swam for two years. And the school was extremely expensive. Um, some stuff went down with the team. There, there was um, some dynamics that I didn't mesh well with. And so I chose to go home I chose to go to Florida and I was like well crap there's so many schools in Florida where do I want to go um and I I spent a lot of time thinking about it because I left a team that I gave everything to that I spent pretty much every waking moment with we practiced 30 hours a week together we ate all of our meals together we hung out together like they were my people And it was really hard to leave that. It was easy to leave home and go. Uh, I'm not someone who struggles to leave people behind because I understand that I can just call them. Like they're just a phone call away. And that's something that I'm good at is like (laughs) is bothering people so that they continue to love me essentially. Um, But it was really hard to leave them. It was really hard. Um, So I decided on the University of Tampa because I love Tampa. um, And it was close to home. It was about 40 minutes away. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go to UT. Um, did, so when I first applied to college, a lot of people will apply to lots of colleges and have options. I applied to Wheaton. That's it. And people said, well, aren't you going to apply to other schools? And I said, no, I'm going to Wheaton. Like, 
There's literally no other option. I'm going to that school. And they thought I was insane. But I got in um, because I was right. So when I did Tampa, I did the same thing. And I, I applied to UT. Um, great school. Loved it. Loved Tampa. If I were going to live in any city in the U.S., I would live in Tampa. I love it. Although, would I trade my farm? No. No, but you know, if a sugar daddy out there wants to buy me a house in Tampa, preferably in Hyde Park, like your girl will take it. I will take that house happily um, as long as I can see it first and approve. So sugar daddies out there, get at your girl. Um, <laughs> so I applied to Tampa and it was the only school I applied to because I was going to Tampa um, and I got there and it was really hard. You know, I left my best friends uh, and I didn't know anyone who went to the school, but I ended up making friends. Um, that's another thing that I've never been afraid to do is like look at people and be like, hey, you're really awesome. Like be my friend. And I've never had anyone say no. So (laughs) thanks people who say yes to me. Um, Also, if you're like struggling to make friends, feel free to steal that script. Hey, you're really cool. Let's be friends. And then get their phone number and then text them and then you're friends. Um, So I made some friends at Tampa and I was the only, I started a swim team and it was me. Um, And that was hard and it was lonely. And I was coaching at the time with Tampa, a team that I had grew up, grown up idolizing and feeling really good about. Um, and my dad got into a motorcycle accident. A really, I mean, it was, it was bad. He is frankly lucky to be alive. He's lucky he didn't have to amputate his leg. We thought he was going to have to for a while. Um, he spent over a month in the hospital. The hospital bills were over a million dollars. Thank god for insurance i think we ended up paying like god eight thousand out of over a million dollars he had 13 surgeries he shattered absolutely shattered his leg um the only reason it was saved was because of the surgeons and how wonderful they were and because the hospital um that he went to is extremely high quality um and that was the worst thing i've ever been through the worst thing i've ever been through um He was in the hospital over Christmas, over New Year's. It happened in the beginning of December. I had finals like the next day. Um, It was horrible. I totally failed one class. I failed chemistry. Um, And I was like, I don't don't care. Fuck this. Um, So it was lucky that I had decided to transfer. I was lucky that those dynamics went down with the team because I would have still been there and I would have had to leave. Well, I wouldn't have had to leave, but I would have left. And I would have left in the middle of a season and it would have been not my choice instead of it being my choice. Um, and that matters when we make decisions or have decisions thrust upon us. So thank God I was in Tampa um, because I was 40 minutes from home and I could go home all the time. Um, and the school was nice. My professors were so nice. Um, semi-chemistry professor I don't even think I told them what happened because I was like I don't care fail whatever I can take it next semester um so I did that and my dad got into the accident and it was I mean he had to relearn how to walk he had you know everything down to the bone was stripped in this accident and he lost a bunch of weight and I spent so many days sobbing in the hospital um it was horrible. You know, you you don't think you're going to lose your parent when you're young, especially to a traumatic accident, or to have their life completely change. Um, but that was really interesting, and it really showed me who would come through in a crisis and who wouldn't, because there were people who I really, that I had spent my life with, 
who I thought would have reached out and they didn't. And I was angry about that for a long time. I was angry with it then. And there were people that came who I would never have thought. I mean, we had family members move into the hospital with my dad, um, refuse to leave. Like, and that was just so my mom and, and my sister and I wouldn't have to do it. And I mean, gave up their job for a month to live with my dad. He never, <laughs> he never ate hospital food because we had a, um, people would bring food to him every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We had an overabundance of food, so we were constantly feeding nurses. Um, so it showed me, it showed me who's worth their shit in a crisis and how to be there for people without asking for anything in return, without asking for gratitude. Nothing. They wanted nothing. They did it because it was the right thing to do and because our family needed help and because my dad needed help. Um, and there were people that never checked in. And I, you know, I think people do the best that they can in general. Life is easier when you have that mindset. Um, we're more compassionate when you have that mindset, but that hurt. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but people don't know, often don't know what to do in a crisis. And so that really taught me that it's worth not knowing and showing up anyway and just saying, what can I do? What can I do? Let me, let me do this um, because that is so powerful. And it really taught me what family is. Um, so that was devastating and horrible. And um, yeah, so we, you know, he started healing and he was home and did everything the doctor said and uh, just, you know, he's, he's fine now. Um, he limps a little, but he's fine. So we went through all that, and it was insanely traumatic. Um, and so I finished school and made friends, and it was wonderful, and I swam, and, um, and I missed people. And I had, I had people show up for me, other teams show up for me, because I was alone, and they knew I was alone. Um, teams that didn't know me would cheer me on, and um, it was really sweet the way that people can show up for each other, um, because it could have been very lonely, and it wasn't. And so that was wonderful. And so that was another lesson. And when I started thinking about grad school, I, for some reason, always knew I would go to grad school. Um, I wanted to do physical therapy because I wanted to work with veterans. And I was like, I love veterans. I think they get a shit deal. I think they go in with really good intentions and they are mismanaged and they are treated cruelly and they are taken advantage of. And I think they're sold a raw deal. And that makes me... So angry, I could blow the world up about it. Um, but as I cannot blow the world up, I can instead help. I can show up for people. I can do what I can do. And then I looked at the requirements for physical therapy school, and uh, one of those things was organic chemistry. And I was like, I would rather die than take organic chemistry. Now, mind you, I failed chemistry. Um, had to take it again. I literally like blew things up in the lab. Um, blew things up started crying cussed out my professor like it was not <laughs> that poor little man it was not good for him poor thing um, I didn't understand it at all I was I had to go to every single every single office hour I stayed late every lab and I just looked at them and I was like I'm stupid I don't under I don't understand these things so I was like okay organic chem chemistry will be the death of me uh, so we're not doing that so I started looking around because they love animals and I was like hey I I, I want to train service dogs like I would love to get paid to hang out with dogs all day and they change lives and they give people their freedom back. Awesome. That is my best life. 
Um, so I found a service dog training facility uh, somewhere. I don't know. It was like an hour and a half away. It was a hot minute away from where I was living. And I went there and it was, uh, it looked like a hospital. Like I was imagining, right? So if you imagine like, oh, you're training service dogs. I imagine like chaotic puppies <laughs> just everywhere. And they're outside and you play with them and you teach them to do these things by play. And there's puppies and they're a pack. And I don't know. That was what I thought. Um, and that was not what I, what happened. I didn't even walk into the building. Like I was so like, if you imagine like your soul crumpling up into your body where your soul is like, this is not for me. Thank God I listened to that. Um, even though I'm sure like a lot of people train service dogs and don't do it that way. You know, there's many ways to skin a cat, if you will, or train a service dog. Um, it was horrible. It was so sterile. And I was like, oh, this is a hospital. This is horrible. I do not want this life. So I did not take that life. Um, I decided to, sorry, I'm plugging in my computer because it is going dead. It's going dead? Dying? Y'all know what I'm saying. Um, so I was like, okay, fuck that. So I started looking into other animal-assisted therapies, and I came across an equine therapeutic center in Odessa, which is like 20 minutes outside of Tampa. Now, Tampa has a huge Air Force base, McDill Air Force Base, so they have, I don't even know how many service members, but... Quantum, Quantum Leap, um, is the facility in Odessa. And they are, you want to talk about hearts for service. They are well run. Their people are passionate as hell. Um, a woman named Edie Dopkins runs it. Ran it for started it. Her and her husband started it. Um, or just, she started it. One of those. And what a heart they would do family days for military members they served over a thousand clients a year they had pediatric physical therapists on staff occupational therapists speech therapists therapeutic riding instructors mental health professionals all working with horses all using horses as a therapy modality and I was like oh fuck use your girl's life is about to be lit and changed and we doing this now now, fun backstory, my family for fun, so my dad grew up on a horse farm in Cuba where you would rent horses like taxis. Um, so he is always, one, he's one of those like really annoying people that's like really good at everything he does, like really good. It's like literally annoying. <laughs> like there's literally nothing he's not good at. It's insane. He's extremely athletic. Um, just the body awareness he has is like bananas. Um, so he's always been a wonderful horseman. I mean, God, oh, he's, he's just great. And my mom grew up on a farm. So when we would go on vacations, we would go to dude ranches. And if you guys don't know what they are, um, you go and you play cowboy or cowgirl for a week on a farm and you ride a couple times a day and you get to, and my dad would always go and get up early in the morning as he does anyway. He's also one of those people that wakes up at 530 without an alarm clock, like a psycho, but like we love him. We love him. Um, my mom sleeps in like a normal person. So my dad would get up, take care of the horses with, uh, with the ranch hands, um, feed them afterwards, cool them down. Like he, he got up to work. He loves to work farms. Um, but we did not live on a farm in Florida. We did not have the money to have a farm in Florida. Shit is expensive. Uh, we didn't, I didn't grow up riding horses in Florida. Again, you're talking, you know, hundreds to thousands of dollars to board a horse per month. 
plus lessons, plus, you know, all, plus I was a synchronized swimmer. We did not, I couldn't do both. I couldn't whole ass both. So we grew up going to do ranches and I was like, oh, equine, that, I had never heard of it. Um, and remember, I was going to be a physical therapist. So I was like, oh, they have physical therapists? I would love to work with physical therapists on a horse. Um, so I started volunteering there and I got out of the car the first day there. First of all, I locked my keys in my car the first day. Um, so that was fun. But I called my mom and I said, mom, I found what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I am going to have a farm and do equine therapy. And she, God bless her. Now, mind you, I had never worked a farm a day in my life. I had never owned a farm. I had really never been on a farm. Like we had family members who had farm animals, but like we went to visit and pet cows. So it's not like I know how to work a farm. Never owned a horse. You know, it's fine. And (laughs) she said, okay, let's do it. And I was like, okay. Um, So I decided to, one, organic chemistry, right? We're not doing it. And I realized that you could be a mental health professional and work with horses. And I was like, okay, that means I don't have to take organic chemistry. And I get to help people. Best life living. So I volunteered there all the time, all throughout until I finished college. Um, Moved back home and started looking for a property in North Carolina. And I decided, for some reason, that I was going to move to North Carolina. And people still ask me why I chose North Carolina. And I'm just like, I don't know. When the universe gives me an idea, I just follow it because the universe is smarter than me. The universe, God, whatever you want to say, um, they're smarter than me. So I just listen and do what is on my heart. Um, And in that way, we build a life that we love and I'm like obsessed with my life so it works people if you have something on your heart on your heart (laughs) on your heart follow it if you don't know how to do that reach out to me I will help you that is literally what I live for um so I started looking at land in North Carolina and I was like oh I absolutely need over 20 acres because your girl did not know how big an acre was so somebody should have probably told me would I have listened to them no so it's fine so I looked for two years obsessively and when I tell you obsessively remember I whole ass everything so we're talking like every day every day not an exaggeration for two years I looked at property um and I sat my parents down and I was very official about it we were at dinner somewhere my memory is not so good with details like that um And I said, I am going to move to North Carolina. I'm going to open a farm. I'm going to do equine assisted therapy. And it's going to be awesome. And they looked at me and again, (laughs) bless them. Um, They said, awesome. We're going to move too. And I was like, no, I don't think you understand. I'm going to North Carolina. Now, our life is in Florida. I didn't know a single soul in North Carolina. I don't know anyone who had been here to vacation. I I don't think I'd ever been to the state ever. But I was like, I'm going to North Carolina. This is what we're doing. And they were like, yeah, great. We're going to follow you. We're going to North Carolina too. And I was like, all right, fuck yeah. Because, you know, how are you going to tell them no, right? They're my parents. Like, no, parents don't do that. You're adults who can do what you want. Like, okay. So I, um, so we ended up looking at a couple properties, um, found the farm that we live on. And I'm someone who has always kind of been intuitive 
because I listen to my body. Um, I think when you are a body-centered athlete, that tends to develop really well because you have to be really aware of your body, especially in like performance-based uh, sports. So we stepped foot on this farm, and I called my mom, and I said, Mom, because my dad was with me, uh, and I said, Mom, we found the farm. And then we bought the farm, and we have built this space um, not brick by brick because nothing appears bricked. Although I will tell you a weird thing. In Florida, only rich people have brick houses. Um, like, it's a thing. Most people have block houses, like cinder block. Um, and then they're, they're like mudded over. So people don't really have like vinyl siding in Florida. You know, hurricanes. Um, and brick is too small. So we have cinder block houses. That's typically what's in Florida. And up here, <laughs> everyone has a brick house. Apparently, it's like a thing with clay. Like the bricks are made out of clay. Did not know until I moved here. Um, and so when I got here, I was like, oh my God, everyone is so rich. <laughs> like everyone in this town has so much money. This is crazy. Because everybody has a brick house. Like it's the norm up here. And I was just like, oh my God, everyone is rich and I'm poor. <laughs> Oh, so fun fact. Um, so we got into this work. So I went to, uh, where are we? So we moved to North Carolina. I was in grad school online at the time because I knew I would be moving. I did not know where I would end up. I was open to moving really anywhere in the state. Um, so I moved and continued grad school, and I got a job working for Youth Villages in Greensboro. Thank goodness, um, because I had a wonderful supervisor who taught me a lot about being professional and having compassion and getting outside of my own perspective and being multicultural um, and being exposed to other identities than mine. I had primarily known white people, been friends with white people and Hispanics. My family's Cuban, um, but all Americanized Cubans, except for the older generation. Um, So I got to work with a lot of people who experienced systemic barriers, a lot of people of color, a lot of people that were very, very poor, um, people I had never really had a lot of exposure to. So that was incredibly shaping. Um, And then I got to work with a methadone clinic where very similar population, lots of very low income, um, very low education. It was a big manufacturing town, which doesn't typically provide a lot of opportunities. Um, Working with people who are actively addicted Um, was an extremely good education in compassion and empathy and um, individualized care and trauma. And so I got to see how systemic barriers play out and how people are discriminated against because of charges, because of addiction, because of behaviors, um, because of a history of trauma, because they don't know how to deal with it. And I was given a lot of freedom at my second job to do things the way I wanted to and to, to do all that, and it was wonderful. And then I started my private practice because my husband, I was married, um, was good. Then it wasn't. Although, to be fair, I should never have gotten married to him. Um, So that was a fun adventure in, like, not ignoring red flags. But it did lead to me starting the private practice because I helped him attempt to start a business. But if you have ever started a business, you understand that it is hard AF. Not just because you have to do a lot of things, but because of the mindset work and the inner work that you have to do to really be a successful entrepreneur. And what I learned watching him and, you know, being married to him, is that you can't force people to do the work. You can't force people to be brave. You can't do any of those things. Um, 
So I ended up crazy in debt because he was blowing money and drinking all of it away and smoking all of it away and refused to learn to run a business, refused to deal with his own shit that he needed to deal with, refusing to do any amount of inner work. Um, so naturally, the business was not doing well and we were spending thousands of dollars over what I was making because he wasn't working. Um, he was doing his business, which really translated to him drinking all day and being really fucking high, which was not helpful. Obviously, you can't run a business if you're drunk all day and high um, and avoiding, you know, anything that's scary because welcome to being an entrepreneur. It's like drinking through a fire hose while running from a bear. So I was like, fuck, I have to start a business. And he actually said, well, why don't you start a business? Why don't you start your own practice? And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that's legit. So I did. Because we needed money. And that was one way that I could make money. Um, and more than I would make if I was like serving or something. So I started it. Um, and then from then it has grown. And I got into coaching. So if you are new to this podcast, if you are new to me, or even if you've been here for a hot minute, like you may know that I am a therapist. I have my own private practice. Um, I've got a team now, which is amazing. So three years later, we have a three-person team. We see... I haven't even totaled up how many clients a year. We work with our local county. We do trainings and in-services, and um, it is wonderful. And that is growing, so that is so exciting. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Crap. <laughs> so three years later, we've done that. Divorced now, happily, love it, um, with another man who's wonderful. And he has started a business, so now I get to get into business coaching, which is so fun. Although I'm like, please hire another coach and pay them to say the same things that I say so that you'll listen to them. Um, so I got into coaching. Ah, that's where I was going. So I got into coaching because my license for therapy is very restrictive. I'm only allowed to work with people in my state. Um, my income is capped at a certain level because of insurance and because I'm not willing to charge people more than what I get paid by insurance. I think that's unhelpful. If you can't afford insurance, why am I charging you more for therapy? That's stupid. Um, you know, whatever for people that do that, but like, fuck that. Um, I think that's wrong. So here we are. Um, so I got into coaching so that I can work with anyone anywhere in the world because there are so many people that need support. And quite frankly, I'm good at what I do. And so it would be a disservice to myself, to this world, to what I can do to not do it, especially when the internet exists. So the other thing about therapy is it's often a one-to-one -one model, which means I can only help one person at a time. Now I could run groups and I plan to run a veterans group in uh, starting actually in January, 2022. But it's, I can only do so many of those, right? Like my time is limited, but if I can create courses, if I can lead a group program, if I can give talks, if I can write a book, if I can do any of those things, then it can be a one to many. And not only does that um, scale my income, which is exciting, it helps more people. So, you know, for the price of a $12 book, like people can get information that will change their lives. And I've had books that have changed my life. Um, I've had authors that, haunt me and stay with me and teach me things and expand my mind and do all of those things. And I've had podcasts that do that, which is the exact reason I started a podcast. Um, also, because I always wanted to be a talk show host and like, ah, ah, here we are living the dream. Again, so glad you are here because I would have nothing without you um, and allowing me to do what I do. So if this is valuable to you, please do me a favor 
and share it with a friend. Share it. Like the more people we help, the better because I know firsthand what people can carry and how much it can break them down and it doesn't have to. Like the only thing standing between you or your friends or people that you know and the life that you want and healing and really, really designing a life that you love, really being intentional and purposeful about the things in your life and how you're feeling is courage and knowledge and support and skills. Like it's those four things. Like you have to be brave in order to say, hey, I want something different. I'm willing to go get it. You have to know how the hell to do that. Okay, you don't know what you don't know. So you need someone to help you with knowledge. You first need to be aware that like, oh shit, things are not right. But um, if you're chronically unhappy, like er, there's your sign. Um, And you need skills in order to do that. So those four things are what this podcast hopefully provides or what my courses provide or what my group programs provide. Because now I can help you. I can help you. You may not even know me personally. Although I feel like this podcast is pretty personal, but now you have a lot more awareness of me. But you on the other end of this screen or on the other end of this microphone, like I can help you. I can be of service to you for free. Like this podcast is free. I give away my knowledge every single week like that people pay money for. I give it for free because... My business model allows me to and because I want to help you and because this helps people like, know, and trust me so that on the day when you want more, on the day when you want to go deeper, on the day when you decide that you want some support, you already know me, you already like me, you already trust me, I'm already helpful to you. And so you and I can just have a deeper relationship. So there's a lot of reasons for the podcast and why why I have a blog and why I have an email list, um, which you can sign up for, full free. I just send you more shit which is awesome. Um, good shit, not bad shit. I'm not trying to give you bad shit, like good shit, exciting stuff. Um, you can sign up for that at livemyhappyhealth.com. If you, you know, I've mentioned the group program a couple of times, like I am launching that in February. I'm only going to run it twice a year. I may only run it once a year. I haven't really decided yet. Um, but if you want that, you can go to livemyhappyhealth.com slash waitlist. And you can get on the wait list. You're going to get the goodies. You're going to get an extra bonus that people who sign up who are not on the wait list are not going to get. So if you're at all interested, get on the wait list. And that is how we got here. So a long, windy, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey road as it typically is. Um... And I would bet that your road is similar. I would bet that you may be in some twists and turns where you're not really sure what the hell is going on or why or where it's going or what is happening or how are we going to survive this. Um, But I will tell you that if you are here, your track record for surviving is 100%. And that is quite literally a perfect record. So in terms of surviving, you are perfect. Um, And you can survive this too. And if you're in a good space, hell yes. (laughs) Like, good for you. Let's continue to be intentional. And even if you're in a a swamp, be intentional. We don't want to stay in the swamp. We want to keep 
going. Keep walking. It will not last forever. There are ways out, but you have to be relentless about keeping going, even when shit is hard. But if we're in a swamp and we're getting chased by alligators, like, you're not just like, oh, this is my home now. We're not Shrek. This is my swamp. Like, get out of the swamp. Keep going. Because your journey may look similar to mine, where you're like, oh, I'm just going to follow what's in my heart. And we end up with a whole life that we choose and that we love because it was on our heart and we chose it. Um, so I hope that helps you. I hope it gives you some insight into me. If if you don't care about that, I'm not really sure why you listened to this episode, but here we are. Um, again, I'm launching a group program in February, so soon. Um, doors probably open soon. I'll probably release this as the first episode in 2022. So holla for that. Um, if you want in, I'm only going to do it a couple times a year. It's going to run for 12 weeks. We're going to work with people pleasing and figuring out why we don't live a life that we want, why we say yes when we want to say no, why we are terrified to disappoint people, why we are so scared that people will leave, that we will do anything to keep them, even go against ourselves, um, why we struggle to make decisions. All of those things we're going to cover. Um, so if you want in on that, livemyhappyhealth.com slash waitlist. And if you don't, okay, super legit. Love you anyway. Come back next week. Um, or binge the other episodes. They're good too. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. And I hope that you create some space to be intentional. And again, if this podcast is helpful at all, please do me a favor and share it with a friend and leave us a review. That's how we grow. Uh, okay. Have a beautiful, wonderful, light day. <laughs>